hot and sunny. Uh, yeah, it's been extraordinarily lovely weather, and I spent the first good chunk of it not even thinking about football. I, I, I basically completely missed the Tiago saga and hopped back in just in time for Fabregas nonsense to start in earnest. How's your summer been, Ed? Well, it's been a saga wrapped in a saga, hasn't it? it has. And then a little bit of a saga on top. I thought the saga was some association for old people. Yeah, it is. Alex Ferguson has retired now, and so he's joined Saga, so all our transfers are a Saga. This is not going to work as an analogy. It's not working, is it? Yeah, my, my summer's been pretty good. Yeah, equally enjoying the weather, enjoying being in the country rather than globe-trotting around the world, which has uh, been a pleasure, unlike United's team, which has done about 25,000 miles, all in the name of good preparation. I mean, it's crazy. It's obviously crazy to spend that much time on planes during pre-season, but we know this is the way it is now, and the players seem to enjoy it, and fans all... You know, there are some good things to it. It must be lovely if you're a really devoted Manchester United fan in the parts of the world where they travel to on tour. It must be wonderful for you to get to see them. There was a point at which a United 11, which was pretty high-strength side, actually played Crew Alexandra, and I was thinking, now that's pre-season. Crew Alexander, them and Juventus, those are the acceptable teams to play in pre-season. The rest of it I'm not sure about. We managed to lose to the Singer All-Stars, Ed. Yeah, it wasn't good. I remember the time when United used to tour Scandinavia and maybe the old trip to Ireland. That was about as exotic as it got. Although someone did send me a a very nice link over the summer, um, a tour in the 1950s to the United States where they played about 12 games. Took about three months. Uh, Interesting pre-season tour, that one. But look, my my question is always this. Are they getting the balance right between the best preparation possible and doing all the commercial stuff? Now, uh, it would be totally naive of me to think that they would concentrate in solely on preparation and uh, all about getting ready for the for the season ahead and all of that i know the way of things these days is to exploit the new markets and all of that fine this time around though they did such a massive amount of training traveling not exactly the right kind of training and how do we know this because even david moyes admitted that uh, many clubs wouldn't do it this way so uh, i think it's not been the best preparation uh, shinji kagawa highlighted on the the blog he Broke off his holiday, came back, played about 45 minutes, a bit of a kickabout, uh, clearly wasn't ready, uh, and did it so he could attend a bunch of press conferences. Then they gave him some more time off because that's what he needed in order to get ready for the new season. He'll start pre-season training about four weeks later than everyone else and won't be ready when the Premier League kicks off. Now tell me that's right. Anyway, look, rant over. Uh, we've got plenty more things to rant about, but uh, for me, it's it's all a little bit bizarre. Uh, and they haven't played any good quality opposition at all. Although, funnily enough, they've been good enough to beat United a few times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they they haven't really put together a particularly impressive performance at any point. But preseason is not about impressive performances. It it really isn't. It's not about shapes or systems or any of that stuff. It's about physical preparation. That's that's what's the important work of preseason. And as you say, it's also about the balance between marketing and physical preparation. It does seem, but we've decried this for many years, that it does seem that the balance has swung firmly in the direction of making some money out of it. But the thing is, United are not alone in that. All their main rivals do similar things, don't they? 
They do. And look, the only reason I say this, I kind of think this is particularly important this season, of course, is because Moyes has come in with three new coaches or four new coaches and uh, he needs to get to know his squad better, right? So that time to actually do some training because he'll have his own tactical thoughts and, and put it into practice in some of the games. Pretty important. But of course, you know, they've had a pretty split squad anyway. Nani, Valencia, Ashley Young, uh, Nemanja Vidic all stayed at home. Wayne Rooney, obviously, too, for various reasons. We'll get on to that. So all in all, it hasn't been the best preseason preparation. Um, the games, uh, how many did you see? I mean, I, I saw most of them. I missed the uh, AIK game. I refused to pay the £6 for Glazer.com. You know, I, I've heard there's some naughty websites you can uh, watch these games on, but I, I couldn't imagine we'd do anything like that. No, it's just a total coincidence that that's the only preseason game I watched. I genuinely need a break from football in the off-season. That's the thing. I know a lot of people get very excited when pre-season starts again, but I find it kind of sort of frustrating and a bit unseemly given all that commercial stuff. So it just doesn't hold my interest really. So I hadn't watched any until the AI came game which was just on the internet I, I didn't do anything wrong it was just there on the internet just popped up on your screen yeah that was it um oh, no I, i'm just gonna say i paid six pat no I, i'm not gonna be able to sustain that work of fiction uh it was fine i'm glad i didn't pay six pounds for it. it it wasn't worth that well a lot of the other games were not very good at all singer all-stars right you know that world famous harlem globetrotters-esque side with uh, uh, talents that you couldn't even pronounce managed to outplay united and uh, deserved their victory had a couple of walkovers australian all-stars i mean a lot of all-stars going on which is in both cases a genuine oxymoron <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that side was significantly weakened by the absence of Emil Heskey, so... Uh, I, was, I was gutted, to be honest. That's the only reason I wanted to watch it. I, I, th- there, there are some tremendous positives from the pre-season. I just want to go back very quickly to the point you made about David Moyes, because I was thinking something while you were saying that, which is you're absolutely right. It is poor preparation for him in terms of getting accustomed to working with his squad and his players. But the other side of being the Manchester United manager, it's actually rather good preparation for, because it really does make you realise the scale of the difference of the role. You know, you Yeah, have, good point. You, and, and I think that might be quite useful for him. Uh, well, it might terrify him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. 100,000 people turn out and there's a stampede at the airport. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought he's, he's generally speaking, he's handled himself quite well. But I guess we'll come on to that a little more when it comes to the transfer stuff. But anyway, the, yeah, the, the pre-season games. I mean, everyone says that Adnan's had a really good pre-season. That's, that's, and Jesse Lingard, top scorer on the tour. Quite exciting. Both played very well and, and uh, nod to Wilfried Zahar as well, who played very well. I think he's done enough to be involved right from the kickoff. Yeah, Adam's done very well. I mean, he's, he's obviously a massively talented boy. I think he's got some physical preparation to do before he's ready for the, the Premier League. Uh, I think people might get ahead of themselves a little bit. I would be really surprised to see him uh, feature very much this season, you know, maybe in some of the Carling Cup games, but I don't think he'll be involved in the Premier League much. And, and the same for Lingard, really. I, I think he could really benefit with a, a spell uh, away now but you know he's got great feet hasn't he good pace and uh, definitely got an eye for goal as well and really nice to see that it's one of the real positives out of a was not been a very positive pre-season I think some of the young lads doing well and and Zahar I think he's ready to to have an impact he'll, he'll be in the squad for sure I think whether he starts that many games uh, we'll see but I think he's he'll turn out to be a good purchase I think he's got all the raw, raw material there if uh, Moyes manages to polish him up we've got a, a very good player 
I'm so excited about Zahai. He was excellent against AIK in the, the game that I saw. Set up Angelo Henriquez for the goal and you're kind of watching that, wondering whether that's going to be something that happens a lot in the future. Mm. Uh, somebody somebody pointing out that Chicharito is going to absolutely love playing with Zahar because he, he does put the ball in the box, you know. He's not all flicks and tricks and no end product. There's a, there's a lot of output there as well. And, and if he grows into the player that it looks like he could be, then it's not an exaggeration to say you could be talking about a world beater but obviously we don't we don't know that yet but but yeah I'm very very excited about Zahar it's one of the things I'm most excited about this season really I mean, he's got the raw talent. I don't think it's obvious he's going to be a world star. I mean, frankly, the first time I saw Ronaldo within about five minutes, I thought this boy is going to be as good as it gets. You know, I came home from that Bolton game raving. Yeah, I remember. And and yeah, well, there you go. And uh, so I, I don't think you get the same feeling about Zahar. He's got the raw ingredients. I mean, he could be another Nani, you know, because there are, there is some frustration there. But I, I get the sense he's got a bit of maturity as well. He likes to cut inside. He's um, I think his goal output needs to increase for sure. He, he didn't get that many in Crystal Palace I think one in six or something like that it needs to get better especially for someone who likes to come inside so let's hope the penny drops and he gets into the right positions because remember Ronaldo didn't score that many goals when he first started out too and and at some point it really drops and he he understood how to get into the right positions cutting in and off wide areas and coming on on the wrong side often and managing to score a lot of goals but agree with you I think it's very exciting I I think he'll have an impact for United this season and look frankly look at the competition you know Nani they've been trying to get rid of for at least six months Ashley Young meh Ashley meh I can't get over the sense of mediocrity there and and Antonio Valencia really needs to really needs to have a good season doesn't he because it was very very poor last year yeah and he's obviously having a pretty rough time at the moment he's, he's clearly of Chucho Benitez who the Ecuadorian striker who died aged 27 just a week or so ago and Valencia obviously really devastated by that and his Twitter feed's just full of pictures of the two of them together obviously a very close friend you got that sense stuff like that really not that easy to just get over and go about your business and especially if you were kind of really struggling for confidence and stuff definitely definitely a big knock definitely equivalent to a kind of physiological injury in some ways looks like that's likely to affect him he's not had great pre-season preparation either neither is Ashley Young and neither is Nani and you know it looks like Nani's staying which is absolutely amazing it's shocking, and it? He limped off just before half-time against AIK, managed to sit on the bench afterwards, but so not not terribly injured, obviously, but but precautionary sort of limping off. Uh, so his pre-season very, very damaged. And just, just the fact that there seems to be little to no doubt that Nani and Anderson will both be in the Premier League squad for Manchester United this season. They were. Well, shall we talk about the transfer strategy? Can we call it that? <laughs> I don't know. It's too early to say. Bizarre goings on that have happened this summer. I mean, yeah, look, yeah, we are we are still what three weeks out from the well, nearly four weeks out from the window slamming shut. And so there is t- still time for things to happen. But the thing is, you know, people don't put this. Th- it's not like a, a game of football manager where the season finishes, then you start buying. Game. There's uh, months of work goes into some of this, and uh, it does feel like there's been such change at the top, both manager and executive, that United uh, has been somewhat. Dis- disrupted doesn't it you know so look let's let's talk about what's definitely happened we have signed a player a, a youngster uruguayan right back called guillermo varea who actually starred in the uh, fifa under 20 world cup tournament this summer he'll be at united this season uh, he's been talking about going out on loan next season you know he is a youngster he's only 20 but united have actually spent a huge amount 1.5 million on this youngster 
Well, yeah, that's good. That'll be some uh, competition. Did you say he's a right back? Yeah, well, I mean, right back, we're well stocked with the De Silva brothers, aren't we? Oh, yeah, Fabio looked fine against AIK. Or I got confused and it was rough. I mean, I'm not joking. I'm not doing like a really hacky twin joke. I'm saying I legitimately didn't necessarily follow closely who was who in that game. But Fabio's been heavily involved in pre-season and definitely the looks like he might be well be part of Moyes' plans. I think, he, I think it will be and it'll be some good competition for Raphael and I hope those two slug it out for the right back slot. I'd like to see Smalling and, and Jones playing in their proper position at centre back. But yeah, we'll we'll come we'll come and talk about the actual the preseason preview in a little bit. There has been some other business as well. Matt Smoladali left the club, joined Mould. It was a bit of a surprise actually, given how talented the boy is and apparently there is a clause, and this may or may not be true, uh, that United can buy him back at some point, although it was worded slightly strangely. The one report I read said, if club and player agree, well, that's normally how a transfer works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's, it does seem unusual, doesn't it? That, that he did seem to be a very promising talent, but it does just go to show that to, to be a star at academy level and, and under 21 level as it is now, there's just no guarantee whatsoever that you're going to end up making it. And sometimes it's the players who aren't the superstars at that level that do end up being the, the great players. Um, in the first team and Dali sort of follows Wolf Ikram in, in that doesn't he yeah I mean he's gone back a little bit earlier I mean the word is that he was just he was itching for more games at a senior level right and uh, and this opportunity came along and rather than taking a loan he's, he's gone this, this route going straight into Solskjaer's first team plans and you know good luck to him I think he's got bags and bags of talent and we'll see how it turns out maybe he'll back, end up back at Old Trafford in years to come and it's it's kind of interesting the whole Mulder connection and the uh, Ollie and and just the the links there and he has kind of <laughs> raided the youth team pretty substantially hasn't he and he obviously raided a bunch of staff and that is an area where United have done an awful lot of business both ins and outs this summer you say like a game of football manager you mentioned that earlier and of course that's what you do when you take over the new position and that you look at whether you you like your assistant manager's stats and if you don't you get rid of them and get a new one and I don't think many Reds are really desperately crying over the passing of Mike Phelan although apparently a very good coach and, and certainly Fergie trusted him didn't he to the ends of the earth and he was definitely in Fergie's inner circle but replaced by Steve Round you were telling me a bit about him before the show Ed yes yes you know I'm, I'm in with Steve Round former Derby County player. Played nine times for Derby. That's the sum total of his playing career. But he's, he's, uh, he's been around the coaching circle for some time. Worked with Steve McLaren for quite a long time. Actually worked with the England squad and with Middlesbrough. Uh, coached at Newcastle before joining Moyes at Everton. He's got a good coaching pedigree. People talk positively about him. I have to say I don't know loads about him and, and his kind of coaching methods. The whole coaching changes are uh, completely not a surprise in one sense because a new man comes in, they almost always bring their own men, trusted men in. That's kind of understandable. In another sense, it's I'm a, I was a little surprised that Moyes uh, upset the apple cart quite so much. He's he's coming into a really, really big job. One of the arguments was that continuity was key here. And uh, as far as I can work out, the only bit of continuity we've got out of Moyes joining is that he's Scottish. Because, you know, everything else has been all changed. Although he's uh, pointing where I gigs a coach and he's brought Phil Neville in, who obviously knows the club very well. So, you know, he's he's attempted to, to bridge the divide between the, you know, the Everton contingent and United. Yeah, I mean the appointment of Phil Neville is genius because it's a, a wonderful conduit between the two the two sides. 
And the truth is, he tried to keep Rennie Moulinstein. The, the the departures that I think will be mourned. I think I think the decision to get rid of Eric Steele. I, I guess it's very understandable. Tim Howard has obviously flourished under Everton's goalkeeping coach, the new chap. I'm not sure what his name. What's his name? Chris Woods. He's the former oh, yeah, England yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah, but has he flourished? I mean, he had a bad season last year. Tim Howard. I mean, fair enough. Chris Woods has actually been at Everton for about ten years. So, um, but but you're right. Yeah, people will mourn the passing Eric Steele because he built up a really good relationship with David De Gea, and David De Gea has really grown. There's evidence there that he was doing a good job. And and that's I think that's why that particular one struck me as so odd because goalkeeping coaches. I mean I, I've never worked in a football club, but it seems to me that the goalkeeping coach is a role where individual relationships are absolutely paramount because you work so closely with one particular person or you know a small handful of people. And De Gea and Eric Steele just very visibly, clearly loved and respected each other. I think that given De Gea's relative fragility, given that, you know, all the kind of certainty and solidity that he's had has come latterly uh, and it, it didn't come easy, that making a huge change there seems like actually a pretty non-negligible risk. You know, it's a pretty significant risk that. Yes, I think I think it is. I mean, I guess Moyes must have a lot of faith in order to do that. I don't think it's nepotism. I don't think he's just appointing his, his mates for the sake of it. He must have a lot of faith in Chris Woods to do that. Let's hope he really is that good. You know, I mean, he said he played at a very high level, right? So I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And uh, let's hope the, the uh, personal and professional relationship between him and David De Gea uh, works well. I mean, De Gea's grown so much that maybe he doesn't need the arm around the shoulder quite as much. And Mullenstein, interesting one that he was offered a role, but not the assistant manager's role. You know, he was quasi assistant manager at United anyway. So he had a very, very senior role with United and and, uh, he basically was asked to take a demotion. And instead he's gone on to Anzi Makalakalakala and he's flourishing. He's now manager there. Yeah, uh, one thing we know is that Rene's going to make a few quid because <laughs> that's not a job that comes cheap. So I, I really wish him well. I hope he has great success as a manager. He's been fantastic for United. He's been really exciting to have around and he's developed this generation of incredibly technically adept players and, and he's changed the way we play in some ways, I think. You know, he's definitely, definitely a significant figure at Manchester United, so it'll be a big loss. Moy says he tried to appoint Paul Scholes, who I think probably will be coming back once he's had an extended break. That's what everyone seems to say. And of course, as you say, Ryan Giggs. I mean, you, you said Ryan Giggs was brought in to offset the Evertonization of Manchester United. Yes, and, and I think it's sensible. I mean, he's he's near to completing his full set of UEFA coaches. You know, he's one, he, he will, in fact, be one of the most highly qualified coaches in the country by the time he's finished. You know, he's he's, he's gone on that long that he, he started doing his coaching badge when he was 16 and he's still going. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think it makes a lot of sense to have him involved. I would hope he's not involved on the pitch too much in the coming season because if he is, that says not much about the quality of United's midfield, whatever it looks like by the time the transfer window closes. So, transfers then. We have not signed anyone uh, apart from Varea, but it has just been unique. I, I never remember a summer anything like this. And it, it started with the, the Tiago thing. The Tiago thing was much more standard. It was it was all smoke and mirrors and there was nothing really public, but it was all public without being public. That's all quite normal. Then Pep waved his big wand, said, you know, oh, I would like to magic you here to Munich to come to my arms, young Tiago, to play for the European champions under your mentor's reign. And Tiago said, oh, yes, that sounds fun and good and awesome and went and did it and I don't think anyone would think too much about that but then Moyes gives this very strange interview where he says the thing about Manchester United is there is no budget and 
Yeah, we know that, mate. <laughs> We've had the glazes for some time. Yeah, that's, uh, it's very clear that he misunderstood what was meant in that meeting. Obviously, he didn't. He was he meant unlimited budget. It, there was no like budgetary restriction, which is clearly not the case. There there are upper limits. United don't have an unlimited pot of wealth to spend. But very strange public courting of Cesc Fabregas. I cannot remember a time where United have behaved like this in the past. Can you? No, well, I can. Ronaldinho in 2003, and that's pretty embarrassing. Look, let, let's take Thiago first, because United were interested, right? Let's uh, let's not take the post-match spin here that said, ah, we weren't really sure about him. Frankly, if, if, if that was the right spin, that Moyes wasn't sure about one of the most technically gifted young players in Europe, then uh, I'd be really worried. So United were interested. He opted to join his former mentor uh, at Bayern European Champions. Who can blame him? It's, uh, it's probably a better gig right now. Albeit, Bayern probably have the most talented stock of midfielders uh, in the world right now. Uh, So you might struggle to get a game. I mean, the the raft of talent across midfield is unbelievable. They could field two midfields uh, and all of the players would be better than all of United's players. You know, Michael Carrick might get in the second midfield. Yeah, an unbelievable amount of talent there, and he's going to struggle to get in there. But, you know, as we know, Pep likes to play about nine midfielders, doesn't he? So he'll, he'll cram, cram him in somewhere. Um, I'm not quite sure whether Pep has a big wand. I'm a bit disturbed by that comment, frankly. <laughs> Not quite sure what kind of websites you've been looking at over the summer. One of those dodgy ones where you see illegal streams of football games, uh, I suspect. And then on to Fabregas. And, and it started out really bizarre, didn't it? Because the offer was sent over about a day after Thiago had left. So there's a young player who's gone through La Masia. Uh, he's someone that Barcelona did not want to leave. His, his uh, release clause was activated, so they didn't have a choice. And less than a day after that, United try and poach another attacking midfielder from Barcelona. What do you think they're going to say? And also, it was a very paltry bid, their first bid. £26 million, you know, get real. I'm afraid there may not be value in the market, but uh, if you want the best players, you have to pay big money. And uh, that's what the, the market has shown us this summer, as is every summer for the last few years. You know, uh, £26 million was never going to do it. You mentioned the Ronaldinho transfer, but it was not like this. It was not a series of open public bids for a player there was a lot more to go on with Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho was close, right? It was a, a fax away, basically, in the end. Well, it was Peter Kenyon upping the bidding. Yeah, exactly, right? He refused to go up uh, by about a million extra, which is what Barcelona paid. Of course, you know, Ronaldinho may not have joined. He may have been using United as a, as a, you know, as a negotiating tool with Barcelona, all of that, all of that. But yeah, that was public and embarrassing. Um, this has been more public and more embarrassing, I think. It, it, it's been very inept. You know, one of the classy things about the David Gill regime, whatever you think about his duplicity over the Glazer family, and he was very duplicitous. He kept a very, very tight ship. They kept things secret for a reason on the football transfer side. Uh, they were very quiet about their transfer dealings. They tried not to do it out in public. Uh, but this summer has been really dirty, you know? There's been so much briefing and leaking going on. It's unbelievable. And we'll get on to Wayne Rooney in a bit because that's that's a total mess. But Fabregas hasn't, hasn't been much better and I'm sure they'll be getting encouraging signals from the Fabregas camp. That's why they keep going in with bids. Uh, but they didn't give Barcelona a reason to think about it. The word seems to be that it goes above 40 million euros before Sandro Rossell, the president, decides to make a decision and they're a very hierarchical regime and all that kind of stuff. It's not the new coach that's going to be making this decision. Uh, but 
you know, read between the lines, it just feels like Fabregas is, is trying to negotiate a better position for himself at Camp Nou. You know, he wants more guarantees about his status, recognition of uh, the fact that he's uh, one of the top players in the world in his position. And I think he's doing that quite successfully. Now, if he decided to leave, of course, he would be you know, a complete traitor to his homeland. Another reason it makes it seem very, very unlikely. I mean, there's been a lot of talk and most of it relatively uninformed because the the nature of being a football fan is you have incomplete information to go on. And there's, broadly speaking, the arguments fall into a variety of camps from a kind of, this is a complete shambles of an embarrassment to a United must know what they're doing, you know, trust in the organisation, blah, blah, blah. And, and then there's all shades of grey in the middle of that. And then perhaps unsurprisingly, I fall down somewhere in between I think uh, you know uh, Noz wrote an article at Bearded Genius wrote an article for the Daily Mirror last week and I I really I thought was extremely well written and like I love Noz I I fundamentally don't necessarily agree with the premise of the article which is that it has been a kind of complete embarrassment for United so far just in that I think it's just slightly too early to say that I think in two or three weeks time if the outcome remains the same then yeah it's been a really embarrassing summer for United and it's to have it all played out in public enhances that but if there is a genuine strategy at work which is either they really do think that Fabregas is a possibility and it's just about getting the the figures right or that this is somehow a smokescreen for other transfer stuff but if it's tra- if it's smokescreen for transfers in a similar position to Fabregas, then whoever it is that we're trying to be cooing at and get to come, aren't they going to feel like terribly second choice? And whoever ends up coming is going to feel like second choice. Well, maybe I- I'm not sure that that's that important. Right. You know, honestly, okay. the numbers stack up, players move, don't they? And, and uh, yeah, uh, I would say that Fabregas is the number one choice and has been all summer. So yeah. they are they are serious about trying to get this guy. Unfortunately, uh, they haven't done it very well, and that's the embarrassing bit. The outcome will justify the methods, I suppose, in the end, if United get a couple of world-class midfielders, or at least one, but I don't think that makes it any less embarrassing Right, the way that United has gone about it. I don't think it's been very professional, or it comes across as not very professional, and I think a lot of that's to do with the type of communication that's coming out of the club clearly being briefed from whomever and Moyes has been talking about it in a way that Ferguson wouldn't either and the bits that haven't been filled in because it hasn't all been filled in has left this great big uh, gap of speculation and and the papers of course fill the void Uh, but United fans I think have been looking on with horror generally you know are you sure there's a camp that say United know what they're doing but I I don't think that Woodward has a bank of credibility so the feeling I get is that uh, many many more United fans are seriously concerned you know given there is a month to go but um, I think it just feels like the strategy has been kind of rudderless and and we didn't have a series of targets we were going after and and knew what we were getting Uh, one piece of credit in all this at least Moyes recognised that midfield was an area of weakness yeah, really sort of jaw-dropping to hear that spoken about um, from the Manchester United hierarchy. I mean, it's way too early to get on David Moyes' back. It's a transitional phase. If any of us are speaking extremely harshly about his abilities within a season, I think we're speaking too soon. 
Transfer deadline day has been incredibly boring for United fans for almost its entire existence, except for that one day when Fergie kidnapped Dimitar Berbatov. But the rest of the time, it's been just completely dull because all our business is taken care of the second the transfer window opens. You've been able to fairly accurately predict almost exactly who United are going to buy every summer since we've been doing this podcast, with the exception of maybe Van Persie, which was a kind of opportunistic transfer, right? It was that that was late for. Yeah, so although they were interested for some time, yeah, I just didn't believe it had ever come off. Yeah. I think, in fact, I said I would eat my hat. Yeah, and actually, I think, you know, United fans' reaction to this summer, the, the more optimistic reaction has been, in part, been about the Van Persie transfer, because the Van Persie transfer is very unglazonomics transfer, right? It's not been right. the Glazer era way. Turned 30 this week and earns a huge amount of money. By the time he runs his his five-year contract down, he'll be 34 and and it will have cost United the best part of £50 million. Right, exactly. And definitely worth it. But, but, you know, that's... It's not the way it's been, is it? So so that did seem to indicate a new way. And then Ferguson said that thing about how this is not the time to leave the club because incredibly exciting things are about to happen. And he did seem to be indicating that there were some... He did seem to be talking about big transfers. That seemed to be what was reading between the lines. United have been repeatedly linked with Fellaini, although that does seem to just be a kind of collective consciousness assumption based on his link with Moyes and the fact that we've been talking about him quite a lot for the last few seasons. But no, no overt work has happened there. Mm. Well, I think I quite clearly said last season I'd really rather that one didn't happen. I don't think he's right for United at all. I don't think he's in the uh, the class of player that we need, and I don't think he's the type of player we need either. People have talked about him playing uh, a little deeper, but but frankly, his most successful spell in England. England has been when Moyes played him as a forward and Everton lumped long balls at him so yeah, no, it, it it doesn't work for me uh, if United uh, want to bother with that transfer. Now, it's going to cost them more than it would have done earlier this season because the release clause that was set at, uh, what, £22 million ran out at the end of July. So, you know, that if we buy him, that's a fantastic piece of strategy. That is, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think as I said on the blog this week, uh, if you're going to go ugly, you better go early. <laughs> and then, of course, talking of ugly, the parallel opposite transfer that exists in the world from the potential of buying a ugly, you know, type. Not that Fellaini, I'm not saying anything about Fellaini's personal appearance. He has excellent hair, for example. Young Cristiano mentioned once or twice over the summer. I don't know if you've heard his name mentioned in, in connection with Manchester United at all this summer, have you heard? United have, have uh, been approaching Cristiano in the camp for some time, but it's not going to happen. Real Madrid are not uh, interested in selling at all, and, and he will sign a new contract. It's on the table. He's He's got what he wants in terms of money, uh, more in terms of status. I mean, I, I think I, I, I wrote about this about six months ago. It doesn't look like it's ever been about actual cash. He gets paid a huge amount anyway, but he's going to earn somewhere around £15 million a year after tax. That's about £15 million a year more than United could afford to pay him. Now, what they're going to do is they're going to buy Gareth Bale for £100 million, right? And then Ronaldo will have his nose out of joint because that's £100 million and that's more than he cost. And so he'll be like, oh, I want to be the one that's the most paid. I'm leaving. I'm going to where I'm really beloved. Manchester United. 
There's a lot of talk about the date of August the 8th. This has not gone away. Uh, this will all have come to pass by the time the Rankcast is out, but, but it's uh, not yet happened as we record this. As far as I can see, this is all sourced to uh, the Twitter account of an actor from Coronation Street who claimed to have extremely reliable information that United would make a big announcement on August the 8th. And he said, I don't know whether this is true or not, but we'll see. So he's ITK. He was totally ITK. Also, Dennis Irwin appears to be ITK. Uh, he, he seems very bullish about Fabregas. Yes, Dennis Irwin, the uh, the insider's insider. The, the whole thing is completely and utterly surreal. There was that day when we were going to buy Claudio Marchisio because Fabregas wasn't working out. That seems like that would be like a complete dream signing. He seems to be exactly the right sort of player and potentially available at the right sort of price. And then the, the, the icing on the cake, the pièce de résistance of transfer nonsense. If United fail in their bid for Fabregas, we're going to go after Schweinsteiger, Ed. Yeah, totally. Why not? That's going to work. Definitely. The logic being that uh, apparently Pep doesn't like him. He doesn't like the uh, German Player of the Year Bayern icon. No, just don't insult my intelligence, please. Uh, I just couldn't be bothered debating with anyone about that one on Twitter. United's transfer dealings this summer have been like talking to a five-year-old about their day. It's like, and then we were before Fabregas, and then we were before Marquisio, and then we got for Schweinsteiger, and then we're going to get Cristiano. There's no way to talk about Scott from the Republic of Mancunia. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Love you, Scott. He's not listening to this. Because he's a big fan. Um, yeah, big fan. But yeah, it's just been really weird. And I cannot see us getting to the end of the transfer window without making major signing. It just seems like, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what shape or form it's going to take. But it seems to me that surely we are going to buy someone. And if we aren't, then the club just looks... I mean, given that all the PR that you're trying to manage with the departure of Ferguson and the level of upheaval and all that kind of stuff, then surely we're just... We just look like a laughing stock if we don't buy someone. Yes, but uh, the worrying situation is that we spend lots of money on someone who's a bit second rate, yeah. right? You yeah. know, and uh, I don't think that's good enough. We, uh, United are a little bit behind anyway, certainly when it comes to midfield. Uh, there's lots of concerns about the wide areas that are well stocked in defence. You know, what is our level of ambition? Sorry to use that word, and I guess it's a nice segue into our next topic <laughs> of conversation. Do the club actually want to compete on European level, uh, or are we just trying to keep in the top four? You know, there's there's a very good argument to make that, that says United will not have a great season this year for a number of reasons. But really, what is it that this club is about? Are, are we uh, one of the biggest in the world competing at the top? Because there there is a massive gap in United's midfield that is not going to be filled by young players this season. We can fill it with some mediocrity and forget about competing for the European Cup. Uh, we'll be competitive in the league, I'm sure. Or do we want to go out there and, and do what the rivals at home and abroad do? And when there's a gap you can't fill uh, from the academy, you have to fill it with quality from elsewhere, you know? And I'm not sure that the second is going to happen now. But maybe it still is. I think there's plenty of time and I think there's enough smoke that maybe there is some fire somewhere you know I, th- I think it's very easy to take the purely cynical approach we won't get Fabregas we won't get Ronaldo we won't get Bale well, not that we ever seem to have been in for him seriously but you know that that 
that players at the top level were just not going to get. But I think, well, I don't think this. I know we had this conversation at almost exactly this time a year ago, and then we signed Robin Van Persie two weeks later. So, you know, Robin Van Persie was signed on, I think, the 13th of August. So we, we, we were still not even at the stage of the season when he was signed, and he was signed in enough time to come on for a cameo in the first game of the season. So there is still time, and there is obviously a lot of work being done to try and make something of that really upper echelons level happen you know that that United's ambition in this transfer market whether it's been whether it's been successfully handled or not whether it's been well handled or not is not the same as whether the ambition exists or not you know and, and I think you're right that there has to they both have to meet for it to be relevant but clearly United's ambitions have been at the upper echelons over this transfer window because the Fabregas thing I, I think the idea that the Fabregas thing is somehow about PR seems really extraordinary to me I, I just I just it's just terrible PR if it is so it, I just don't see that anyone at the club is thinking you know oh it makes us look big time if we try and bid on Cesc Fabregas I know the Glazer family have been well versed in smoke and mirrors when it comes to transfers in the past you know an awful lot of nonsense being said it, I wouldn't put it past the club to bid on players when they knew there was no chance of getting them anyway now, I'm not sure that's the case with Fabregas I think uh, he is a genuine target and uh, United's number one choice this summer I don't think it's going to happen you know the, the cynic in me and there are, there are still you know three and a bit weeks to go cynic in me says that United will end up overpaying for Fellaini because he'll be the the only option available. I mean, list another 10 uh, high-quality central midfielders, none of them are really available. So I think United will overpay towards the end of the window for him. And uh, alongside it, uh, we'll be losing one of our very best players in Wayne Rooney, who, whose heart may not be in it, but whose quality is, is substantial and, and he won't be replaced like for like. And, uh, and that will take a significant amount away from the club too. Yeah, so the saga of Wayne Rooney, eh? I mean, Fergie dropped us right in it, didn't he? I mean, he really did. I, I, whether it was out of spite, whether it was a tactic to genuinely try and get Wayne to see what he was missing by sh- by making him sit on the outside at those celebrations, but he turned the fans against Rooney pretty effectively. It wasn't hard to do, given Rooney's own actions himself and the 2010 stuff, but I think Rooney was genuinely, truly shocked that Ferguson did what he did and said what he said, and <laughs> Wayne Rooney was angry and confused by his treatment at the club I started a 48 hour long globally trending hashtag so that was my achievement over the summer got into the Heat magazine website and Buzzfeed and the Metro yes didn't get the credit for it that was a spectacular meme that was, um, <laughs> it was. But, you know the the anger and confusion about that uh, Moyes comment in which he said you know uh, it, Wayne's important because if Van Persie needs an injury we need a backup <laughs> I'm, I'm of the opinion that Moyes very deliberately said that. United want this player out, right? Let, let's not pretend that United really believe that he's not for sale. He is for sale. He's just not for sale to Chelsea if uh, United can absolutely help it. So they want him out. It's really nothing to do with Ferguson anymore. Uh, Wayne Rooney's you know, use of the, the kind of Ferguson issue. And, and look, we know all this because the briefing and counter briefing that goes on is just embarrassing. But that's irrelevant. Ferguson is not going to have any significant say at the club um, he's a director and ambassador but what that really means is 20 hours a year uh, for two million pounds in which he'll do sponsor uh, appearances uh, for the club you know and keep the sponsors happy he's got no say 
and the executive level in the club he's got no say in terms of management does Moyes want to work with Rooney does Rooney want to work with Moyes does Rooney really want to stay anymore does he just feel like it's time to go or is advisors telling him that it's time to go he can get a bumper pay packet elsewhere as well you know all of that is true he wants to go United want him to go he will go I suspect it will be on the last day of the transfer window or very close to it. And he'll go to Chelsea for near enough 40 million, which is what United are holding out for. And, you know, in comparison to some of the other talents around Europe, Cavani, who went for over 50 million, Falcao, similar amount, you know, you'd say that Rooney's got the talent um, to equal or, or better any of those players. Hasn't always applied it. And that's where the that's where the kind of loss of fee will come from. He's not coming from a good place. There's probably only one buyer. And so if United get 40 million, that'll be very good business in terms of getting the money for a player who wants out quite how united are going to fill out the the squad and and maintain the quality i, I have no idea because i don't think there is a, a player of equal quality available that, that united are, are trying to bring in right now we don't want to sell good wayne rooney to chelsea problematic smoking drinking getting into his late 20s not looking after himself wayne rooney they're welcome to him because whilst he might be effective from time to time his effectiveness is going to decrease rapidly it's just that i'm not at all convinced that that's who we're going to end up selling to to them because i think rooney goes to chelsea gets embraced by Mourinho, becomes the main man in, in in a way there, has this kind of horrendous point to prove to United. That sounds like a dangerous weapon to, to be handing to Chelsea. I mean, there's, there's a lot of antipathy towards Rooney in the United fan community. Obviously, of course there is. He's asked, he handed in a transfer request and the, the, was going to go to City, was 24 hours away from going to Manchester City in the middle of the season. You know, it's insane how much of a kind of betrayal that would have been of the club but from a fan's perspective I mean of course real, really it's all just it's all just a job to, to Rooney isn't it and and why shouldn't it be you know he's an Everton fan he's from Liverpool why should he really care about Manchester United just because Man United fans cared about him you know well he, he certainly didn't care about Everton when he left you know so look let, let's not pretend that that somehow Rooney should have some loyalty to United he left his boyhood club for United because United offered him a better platform and more money um, now he wants to leave United because for a variety of reasons he, he has fallen out of love with the club if he ever had any originally came from his relationship with Ferguson breaking down parlance of the newspapers and United have seemingly done absolutely everything they can to make it be known that he's not welcome at the club anymore this summer you know so he will go my real worry about this one is that United will not be able to stuff up with you know equal quality it doesn't have to be like for light replacement there doesn't have to be another striker coming you know maybe Kigawa will now get the chance to shine at number 10 but that's a lot of quality lost. Yeah. How is it going to be replaced? You know, when Absolutely. big stars have lost, left before and they've been replaced somehow, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this summer. No, absolutely. And I guess we got 10 minutes left of the show. Let's uh, do some predictions for the season ahead. I think United are going to win the league. I think we're going to sign a major talent between now and the end of the season. I think Mourinho is going to struggle to recreate the magic at Chelsea. And I think City are, you know, going to have a season of bedding in under Pellegrini. They've got a lot of new signings and how it's all going to gel. We're not entirely sure. And they've got a lot of really quality players. But have they really got the level of quality that have improved their squad this season? I don't think any of the, the also-rounds are. Arsenal, Tottenham, I don't think any of them have, in, I mean, Tottenham, if they keep Gareth Bale, have really massively in, improved the quality of their squad, but I don't think they're going to keep Gareth Bale and don't think they're relevant. So I, I think we're going to do it. I think Moises' boys are going to win the league in the first season in charge. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what you've been smoking there, mate, <laughs> <laughs> but it's some good shit. <laughs> 
in one sense, I agree with you. It's going to be difficult for Chelsea and for Manchester City, of course. You know, brand new managers as well. There may be a bedding in period, although I mean, I suppose historically, uh, Jose has done better in his second season at a club than his first. He's managed to win absolutely everything in his second season at every club he's been at. But we'll see. It's slightly different going back to Chelsea. I know he's got a completely new set of players and all of that, but he's had an awful long time to be working with them this summer. I think they're the real threat, Chelsea. They've they've uh, made some. Some decent purchases you know Andre Schürrle is, is a very good forward some of the young players they brought in last summer will have a chance to bed down and of course if they get a striker which was the real weakness if they get a very high quality striker who can play number nine um, like Mr Rooney then then there'll be a massive threat you know of course one of the reasons why United don't want to sell their City, well, Pellegrini is an excellent coach, you know, and I know it's difficult for him coming to a new country, but he's used to working with nationalities of all kinds. You know, when he was at Villarreal, he had like 15 players from South America of various different parts, and he builds excellent sides. The quality they've got this summer, I'm I'm a bit dubious whether it's really, really of £100 million worth of talent. You know, honestly, I'm not sure that City have got massive, massive quality with the, the players they've bought this summer. But what they do have is a very, very strong squad now. You know, very strong squad. And they've kept Aguero, which was a big doubt, wasn't it? Um, still got Zeko. That was a bit of a surprise. Negredo will uh, add some, you know, options up front. I think it's a, he's a good player. He's not an outstanding player. Jovetic, I like a lot. He's got loads of talent. Doesn't score enough goals by any means. So, you know, hmm, a little bit on the fence about that one. And, and Navas was an interesting one because he's a pretty one-dimensional winger who hates to leave home. So we'll see how he does and beds in. But he's a very talented player. Plus, Fernandino, they spent an awful amount of money on a, a Brazilian reserve, way, way over the top, um, and he might struggle to adjust. So, you know, that's well over £100 million they've spent there, and probably not good value for money, but they do have a much bigger squad, and that was part of their problem last season, alongside some complacency, and I'm sure that complacency will have gone down. And of course, they signed Yaya Torre on a new contract, and that was a very probably their best signature of the summer, you know. Maybe they'll get a new commitment out of him, because he was, he was lacking in a bit of a commitment last season. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to put a piece up on United Rant of your predictions for the season. I've sent you mine, Ed, so you're welcome to put those alongside yours or stick them in the comments. If anyone wants to see the ins and outs of who we think is going to finish where, who's going to come top scorer, all that kind of stuff, it'll all be on unitedrant.co.uk within the next week or so. So I guess since it is our first episode back, it would be uh, remiss of us not to include you, the lovely listeners, in, in the show. I've had a few questions, one from... One of my favourite discoveries of the summer, the wonderful South London Hardcore podcast at SLHC asks, how much of a role will Chris Smalling have this season and do you think he'll go to the World Cup next summer? I think he'll have a big role if he stays fit. Uh, I think uh, Vidic and Ferdinand won't be able to play together. I mean, it's just not just not going to be fit enough. I mean, Vidic is not fit, Ferdinand uh, ageing rapidly. So I think he'll have a big role to play at United and if he stays fit, Smalling, he's got so much talent. I, I have uh, no lack of faith in him whatsoever. I think he's, uh, he's he's United quality all the way through if he stays fit and uh, gets some experience. And if he does that, of course he goes to the World Cup. Absolutely no doubt about that. Brilliant. Lovely. At Amon Palman says, How much wood could Edward Woodward chuck if Edward Woodward could chuck wood? A lot, I reckon, or none. Who knows? Edward Woodward's talents are a complete mystery to all of us at this point. I'd say a woodchuck would uh, chuck a lot more money at the transfer market than Edward Woodward has. In At Beckenbarese, the full six and a half, says, in terms of pre-match music, do you think Moyes is an ACDC or Vangelis kind of guy? Maybe a bit of onward Christian soldiers for Moisey? 
You know, that's interesting. I have no idea what his musical taste is. No, me neither. We're going to have to do... No idea. Well, we're going to have to dig deep into this one. If anyone knows, is he a Proclaimers fan? You know, all, all Scots are Proclaimers fans, right? It's going to be Coldplay, isn't it? That's what he's going to be into. Yeah, it's going to be middle of the road. At Full Time Devils asks, In the style of a scared beaver, describe what Moyes would have to achieve in his first season to be considered a success. Uh, I, I think he's definitely going to have to compete for the league title and uh, not get out, knocked out in the group stages of Europe because that would be really embarrassing. I think ultimately it's going to be like a lot about the PR game as well and see how well he deals with like Jose Mourinho and stuff. I've got to go and eat some wood now, boy. I'm not quite sure what that noise was. It sounded like the Orgasmatron from the Woody Allen film Sleeper. No, that was the, the scared beaver. Um, Alexander Gallo, who is my hero because he runs at MUFC underscore Facebook, says, if Moyes ends up having a ghastly start and we're 12th in December, will you still love Christmas? Yes, I will. And I guess that brings us on to the start of the season. It's the Community Shield next week. Uh, we should preview that a tiny bit. I think United will win, don't you? Oof. Well, Wigan is probably the highest quality opposition we've faced this summer, so it's a big test for the lads. Smash Barnsley at the weekend, though. Wigan, you know, great form. Interesting to see who plays. I, I suppose he'll play his best possible side and we'll see De Gea and United sticks again, which would be nice. We'll, we'll see about that one. Actually, he's talked about the Community Shield being another preparation game, which, frankly, it is. Yeah. You know, I, I don't believe any of this nonsense that it actually counts as a trophy. I'm not counting in Alex Ferguson's Hall of Trophies either. But look, it'll be great to see the lads again, uh, along with more than 40,000 United fans will be there. And I'm looking forward to it. And uh, just testament, I think, to United's fan base that that uh, everyone's buying tickets for a completely meaningless game against some completely meaningless opposition. Yeah, there's going to be 12 Wigan fans there as well, so it'll be a half and half, pretty much. The thing that I, I want to talk about before we finish, like, in terms of predictions and the season, Moyes has been handed an incredible challenge, talking of where we're going to be by December. The first five games of the season are an absolute nightmare. And there's one home game against Crystal Palace and then everything, I think we start away at Swansea. And Manchester United have an absolutely horrendous fixture list and I'm not including Rio's testimonial in this. But we play Swansea away, which is not an easy game to start the season with. They've strengthened over the summer and were excellent anyway. We then have Chelsea at home, which presumably we won't have sold Rooney to them by then and that's what we're holding out for. Then Liverpool away, then a relatively easy one against Crystal Palace, then the Derby. I mean, it's at City. So, I mean, talk about walking into the Lions' den. It's it's a, such a staggering test of Moyes. And, and you know, last, or was it the season before last that we had a really difficult start to the season? And we talked about United's players being extra fit at the beginning of the season for that. Well, yeah, and, and Moyes runs his players through a boot camp, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of fitness they've got, because actually, traditionally, Everton didn't always start very well, did they? You know, um, Look, we've got a really horrendous run of fixtures there, and it's only horrendous, really, because it's a brand-new manager, and uh, he's betting in with the team, and they've had a weird kind of pre-season preparation, and all the kind of drama around the transfers and stuff, and it's, it seems like it's hard for the players to focus, let alone the fans, so I, I think I can uh, foresee some very negative headlines there. I hope it doesn't happen like that wouldn't it be great if United put together a run of results and it would really boost everybody's confidence including Moyes you know because actually I think as a as a person I quite like him yeah yeah uh, he's very honest and upfront and he's spoken about his emotions taking the United job in a very very honest way you know and I think everyone can relate to that and so I really want him to do well and yeah not least
pleased that I'm a United fan, but I really want him to do well as well. I hope he, he's very successful and sees out his six-year contract because it will have gone great for everyone. But, you know, honestly, head speaking here, I can see a really tough start for United. And, and if United are 12th by Christmas, I'm not sure I'd be loving Christmas, but Moyes might be getting a P45. <laughs> I mean, there's no way they'll sack him this season, obviously. No, no, there, there isn't. He, as long as there isn't total mutiny at the club, uh, he, he has got uh, plenty of time to build here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, for one, I'm going to be patient. I'm, I, I, I said I'm predicting us to win the league, but it's not, it's not a, an expectation type prediction. It's a, it's kind of what I think will happen, but if it doesn't, it'll be fine. We'll be fine. We can, we can live with some lean years, you know, if, as long as it's building towards something. And, and I think hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll find out that it is and the David Moyes era will be a fun ride. I tell you, talking of watching AIK game, I was fully in you're not my real dad mode, though. <laughs> It's really weird. It is really weird to see someone other than Sir Alex on the touchline. But hopefully we'll start to get used to it. And in, in some ways, seeing seeing David Moyes will be a kind of pleasant experience. Well, that's it. I mean, it was weird when Robin van Persie first came to United. And, and of course, after Ronaldo, Bale and Lionel Messi all joined before the end of the transfer window, it'll be weird seeing them in United colours at first. But we'll get used to it, right? We sure will. Ladies and gentlemen, it's extremely good to be back. We'll see you next week. Certainly will. See you then.